set it up for Morrissey. 14 seconds to go. There goes Hellebuck again. Morrissey up the middle, broken up by Brown. Starts low with the empty net for the hat trick. Goes to the goal. Scores. No, I love that. Courtesy of Sportsnet, that clip. It's one of the highlights of the week that was Jimmy Stew. Tim Stutzler's first career hat trick in Saturday's win over the Jets. Welcome to the show, everybody. Your show, Sens Nation. Lots to get to today. First, let's hit a nice glass of whiskey from DunRobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Love it. Love the way the Sens are finishing out the year as well. Sunday's loss against Calgary notwithstanding. Before we get rolling, let us say hello to our co-host, the coach, Greg Kennedy. And first, how are your Slave Lake Ice Dogs finishing out the year? What's the latest? Uh, season is finished. We uh, we end up in second place. We will play the third place Northern Alberta Tomahawks Friday, Saturday, Monday in a best of three. And then uh, the final will commence the following Friday. Uh, one playing four, two playing three, and, and off we go. We'll see. We're feeling pretty good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm thinking... The Ottawa Senators are feeling pretty damn good about the way their game is right now. Um, I mean, in the immediate as we record this, yeah, last night's 6-1 loss to Calgary, not so hot, but it was actually the perfect storm. I mean, every team goes through that kind of thing. This just in, nobody goes 82-0. And the Sens, the previous 10 games, I think were the hottest team in the NHL. Um and so then they get a back-to-back, and they get the Calgary Flames, who have everything to play for. They're do or die. And uh, I guess when you're on a heater like that, the way the Sens have been, Greg, you can count on a stinker coming around eventually. Well, yeah. It's second game in two nights against a rested opponent with travel, with a time change. I mean, it's only an hour, but everything was, like you say, perfect storm. Everything was kind of adding up against them, uh, c- continuing their role. Um R-O-L-L, that is. Um, the, the the nice thing is, though, that the way they play the game, you kind of figured that they might be immune to that sort of back-to-back being a problem because they're a, a tight-checking, a hard-working, four-checking team, and they get the D zone's been fixed. So, okay, maybe the offense won't be here tonight. Maybe the power play won't be the greatest. But uh, I, st- I, 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 I kind of thought they'd still do better than they did. But then you add in the fact that Calgary's, uh, they pretty much need to win out and have Montreal lose a game or two. And it's crazy what, what Calgary needs to make the playoffs. So that factors into it. And yeah, you you were ready for a stinker. Yeah, I'm hoping Calgary does well because that will mean that they'll be keeping the Vancouver Canucks down. Sort of a, such a weird scenario with the Canucks and COVID and all that. The Sens final game is on Wednesday of this week and the Canucks still have another full week after that. So we're still a long way from the playoffs actually firing up. I think the regular season doesn't end till the 19th, so it's all very strange. But if Calgary fares well against Vancouver, that will keep the Canucks down, and the Sens would, in fact, finish ahead of one team in their division, making me look pretty damn good for predicting that the Sens would do that. Yeah, and we, and you did predict it before we started. So you're, you're looking you. good, pal. You're looking good so far. I think. Now, on the back-to-back front, and Gordy Wilson put this to Brady Kachuk after the loss to Calgary, talking about it you know, after the game. He said, uh, sorry, it wasn't Gordy Wilson. It was actually Mark Broussard from the Dois. And he put it to him, said, you know, you didn't win a single game two 
in a back-to-back all season. And that actually came as news to Brady Kachuk. I didn't know that stat. And um, I think every day we're just learning and, and uh, learning about ourselves and trying to get better as a unit and uh, individually. And, um, you know, it's, there's probably been some back-to-backs in the past where, you know, he came up just short, but um, that's definitely something we're going to have to learn from. And, uh, you know, those, those points are crucial and, um, those are points that you need to win to make playoffs. So um, now we're definitely going to remember that and, and remember that stat and, and uh, use it for ourselves next year. So there's Brady Kachuk talking about uh, the lack of back-to-back success. And uh, you addressed it a little bit there, Greg, but I mean, it is kind of surprising for all the reasons you talked about, not to mention, you know, the one of the youngest teams in the NHL. So if any team is equipped to handle a back-to-back fitness-wise and such, you think it'd be a young team like the Senators. Um, any generally accounting for why they were, you know, it was such a struggle, not just this weekend, but all season. Yeah, all season is is strange. I mean, they, they hadn't really settled into their identity and who and what they are until a certain point in the year. So you can probably wipe out a lot of those earlier season back-to-backs. Um, the goaltending obviously probably factored into that early in the year. But yeah, Gordon Miller mentioned it during the broadcast, and that was the first I'd heard of it too, that they were 0 for, it, 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 let's face it, it's not 20 times. I think it's only about 7 or 8, isn't it, um, in, a, in a back-to-back? I believe it's 9. 9, okay. I mean, it's not a terribly high number. Um, but yeah, it's kind of strange. But but then again, young team, um, you're right, conditioning isn't the factor. It's I'm a professional hockey player. And, uh, you know, I got to do, do my game prep and be ready to go every night. That's a, that's a learned skill. So that probably factors into it. Now, on the Brady Kachuk front, a couple of things I want to tackle here. And I know one of them you're sort of chuckling at. Yes. And uh, I guess it's a bit of stirring the pot somewhat. Sean Simpson, who's back at work at TSN 1200. Good to see that. Uh, actually kind of brought this up and, and piqued my interest in it. About the idea... I mean, I got, you mentioned Perfect Storm earlier. The whole concept of the offer sheet, it almost never happens. It does happen occasionally. But if it's ever going to happen, wouldn't it be for a situation like this where Brady Kachuk is about to go into the offseason, still hasn't signed an extension, and a young player, high-impact player, and playing for a team that is, to this stage, they claim that they're going to spend any of the cap and have their unparalleled success. But to this moment in time, generally speaking, a budget team. If it's ever going to happen, I think it's a situation like this. What do you think? Do you think there's any chance that Brady Kachuk, whose contract's about to expire, would anyone offer him an offer sheet? I don't think there'll be any offer sheets. It just, it happens so rarely. I can see your point. But when you factor in COVID and the reduced uh, cap, uh, the, the, the hard cap that's staying at the same number for at least another year, if not two, that factors into things. And, and as Simmer was talking about the Rangers being the potential suitor on Kachuk, I, I haven't looked at their cap situation, but I just, I, I can't see them being able to fit it in. And even if it does happen, there's a maximum number, a dollar amount allowed, and and it's close to what we all think that Brady Kachuk should be getting paid anyway. Um, so I, I, Ottawa would match. 
I just, I can't, I can't see it happening. There's, there's pretty much a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge amongst most of these teams that it just doesn't happen anymore. Or I shouldn't say anymore. It hardly happens at all ever. Would maybe Mark Bergevin be someone? Think about that for a couple of reasons. Because A, Mark Bergevin in 2019 signed Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes to an offer sheet. Carolina matched. But on top of that, he's also the very GM that bypassed Brady Kachuk. And this would represent something of an opportunity for a do-over. He chose Isperi Kotkaniemi in that number three overall spot a couple of years ago. Um, and he could have had Brady Kachuk, who went fourth to the Ottawa Senators. So I look at something like that because the recent history is there. Maybe a possibility. And I also look at the Seattle Kraken. Right? They're, they're, they've got a clean slate right now. And I'm not saying Ottawa won't match. Yeah, I'm just saying that there's a real opportunity, I think, that this guy could get offer sheeted. And I really feel like it, there could be a silver lining to the whole thing in that it would basically prevent the Ottawa Senators from nickel and diming. Like well, that, that would market, be the plus. Yeah, that would be the plus. I, I think they will match. And uh, it's all about, if you're a Sens fan, keeping Brady Kachuk happy and with the organization long-term. If that's your desire, I think an offer sheet could have that silver lining of making sure that a team that has budget tendencies isn't going to come in and say, yeah, well, you know, we want to see you show us a little more before we commit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, just pay the guy what he's worth. And an offer sheet would ensure that. Well, don't forget that an, an offer sheet has to be signed by the player. Do you really think that Brady Kachuk would sign an offer sheet to play for Montreal? I could see Fair. it maybe with Seattle, you know, but would he really do it with Montreal? And, and is Seattle going to be as strong as Vegas was? Or would going to Seattle be like uh, like the last three years in Ottawa have been? So, you know, Brady Kachuk still has to sign the thing. There may be all kinds of people calling him and making offers, and he's saying no, as I'm sure they're – there probably have been in the past with other free agents. We just don't hear about them. Right. Like unless it's signed, right? Uh, I said, yeah, uh, sorry, Seattle. Yeah, that, may, that makes sense. Whether it's Brady Kachuk or it's somebody else, it does make sense for, from, a, from a Seattle standpoint for sure. Yeah. And uh, I don't think at this moment Brady Kachuk would be thinking along those lines about, okay, here's an offer sheet. Um. I want to sign that right away to get the hell out of here or something. I don't think at all that would be his thought process. But let's see where he's at when the Sens, you know, show up to the agent and make their first financial overtures toward the guy. And if he's not liking what he's seeing there, like like starting point, eight by eight, that's that's the minimum you can offer that guy. If, if, if his buddy Thomas Shabbat is getting that, Brady Kachuk is going to want that, in my opinion. And if he come, if they try to roll in with term or money that's less than that, then all of a sudden maybe that offer sheet doesn't look so bad anymore. So things can change. Time now for the player of the week for DunRobinDistilleries.com. And it's the guy you heard right out of the gate today, 19-year-old Tim Stutzla, Jimmy Stu. Chosen last year, third overall in the NHL draft by the Sens, and quite famously, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek made the pick via recording and naturally in the form of a question but there's no question the Viersen Germany native has been outstanding for the Sens 
with a seemingly unlimited ceiling to his offensive potential. He has 29 points in 52 games over a full season. That works out to 46 points. Not bad for the youngest full-time player in all the NHL, Tim Stutzla, our Player of the Week. And our Player of the Week feature brought to you by DunrobinDistilleries.com. Just like craft beer years ago, the market for craft spirits is booming right now. And Dunrobin Distilleries is at the forefront in Ottawa. They currently offer artisanal gin and vodka, rye whiskey, and their recently launched Earl Grey gin, all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Okay, let's change gears and talk about the Seattle Kraken and the expansion draft. I had actually planned to talk about this more in the offseason because, yeah. well, in the offseason, we all know there will be uh, moments where we're looking to manufacture conversations and such as opposed to being uh, <laughs> podcasting during the actual regular season. But uh, so many people have been talking about the expansion draft here over the last week. Uh, I thought now we'd be remiss if we completely ignored it. So I thought it might be fun to come up with our own Ottawa Senator protected list moving into this expansion draft again, which is happening in July. Uh, what you want to avoid, ideally, is a repeat of the Vegas situation where the Sens kind of got caught with their pants down, losing someone of the impact of a Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot didn't play much hockey after that, so but who knows how it would have played had he stayed in Ottawa. You just never know how the chips fall. But uh, you'd ideally like to lose a guy that's not that impactful. So um, the neat uh, the neat sort of simulator they've got at capfriendly.com allows fans to go on there and pick their own teams. You can protect seven forwards, 3D, and one goalie, or you can protect eight skaters and one goalie, eight skaters of any kind and one goalie. So let's uh, just for yeah. fun <laughs> go through the list. I'll, I'll give you mine. And okay. I'm, keen to, I'm keen to see how different yours is. Okay. We sometimes get on different pages. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. I've gone with a eight skater, one goalie thing. Yes. Okay. So I've got Connor Brown. Oof. I'm second guessing things already. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like Austin Watson a lot. But I don't think I can protect a fourth liner. Um, okay, so I got Connor Brown, Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, Vitaly Abramov, and Logan Brown. Then I got Thomas Shabbat and Victor Mete on the blue line. So there's my eight skaters and Philip Gustafson in goal. I know you're going to take issue with Logan Brown and maybe Vitaly Abramov. Uh, I protected Vitaly Abramov. Oh, good. In my list, I have uh, Evgeny Dadnov. I just think that it's too soon, and um, being a key free agent signing by the Ottawa Senators and a feather in his cap for Pierre Dorian, look what we did. Uh, I think to give up on him now and have him leave would look bad, and I think they will protect him, and I think they can within the eight because I'm not protecting Logan Brown, so I've got Dadnov instead of Brown. Okay. And so um, that's more, that's based on both angles, what yeah. you believe will happen and what you think will happen. Correct. Yeah. How's that? I, I, I would protect him anyway. I just, there's, there's more there. He's got more to give. 
Um, I'd, I'd like to see them go out and even think about uh, finding another Russian for him to play with. Right. I hear there's one in Washington that might be available. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> did you, uh, I'm trying to remember who you had next. I have, so I have Dadnov, Connor Brown, um, Austin Watson, I did protect um, just for the sake of, he's a quality veteran. It's the, you know what you got guy. So if you don't protect him, you then have to go out and find somebody else at a decent salary of 1.5. And you're kind of taking a chance on whether the guy's character fits in with your room or not. You know what he is. You know what you got. I would protect him. It's cheap and you like him and he brings things that you need. And Ron Francis probably has a market for something like that. He, yeah. he wants a guy like that in his lineup. Right. And I've got Nick Paul and I've got Brady Kachuk and I've got Drake Batherson. And as I said, I have Abramov, Abramov. And then I have Shabbat and Gustafson. I left Mete, which I'm still kind of debating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah, really to me, it would be if I'm going to protect Mete, then okay, I would I would expose Abramov or, or no, I, I'm sorry, I'm keeping Watson. Yeah. If I, if I protected Mete, I think I would expose Abramov. Right. But I went with Gustafson. You've convinced me. Okay, fine. We'll keep him. Yeah. It's a lot like the Dadnov thing when you talk about Matt Murray and whether or not to protect him. I'm saying yeah. I would, my choice would be Gustafson to protect. What I oh, think yeah. will happen, what I think will happen will be Matt Murray because I think Pierre Dorian, I think genuinely likes the player and he certainly, his goaltending was a lot better before he got hurt again this second time. Um, so I think he thinks that, well, that's my best goalie. And, uh, I don't want Ron Francis coming out and getting that, but, uh, and there's also the angle of optics for the same reason you talk about with dad there's yeah. two guys, those are big signings. I convinced my owner. Yeah. These are the guys, these are the guys you want to spend insane money on. And neither have been particularly impactful. If you look at things in the big picture, um, if you throw them out there, you are basically admitting that, yeah. They're uh, they're being paid way too much for what they're delivering, and I don't think Seattle is going to take them. That's uh, that's not going to make you look very good to the owner, I don't think. Yeah, but it's it, exactly it's who's going to is Seattle going to pay Matt Murray, or do they want to pay Matt Murray six and a quarter? Uh-huh. Uh, that's the cap hit. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> so exposing him is okay, but then if you do protect him, you allow somebody else to make the Gustafson Decord decision for you if they claim one of them. Right. So that's an interesting way to look at it too, right? Protect Matt Murray. Um, maybe maybe Seattle takes Gustafson or Decord. Of course, you only lose one player. Every team only loses one player. Yeah. So the way I've got mine set up, um, I'm thinking that one player is Decord or Mete, uh, or maybe it's Logan Brown. I don't know. The way you have it set up, who's your, who's your one player that's going to get nabbed, do you think? Uh, I think it'll probably be Tierney or Dadnov. I think both yeah. those players would hold some interest for an expansion team that wants to be decent right away the way Vegas was. And I could see both of those guys being good contributors to an expansion club. Um, I think that uh, with Philip Gustafson and Joey Decord, I, I just I, I just can't see so much discussion about, oh, maybe we could lose a goalie. i got to be careful. I, don't, I feel like... If I'm Ron Francis, I'm looking more at some of the veteran guys who are proven around the league. I'm not sure that they even come looking for any of the Ottawa Senators goalies. So I think that, uh, like I say, it might be a uh, someone like Dadnov or Tierney or Colin White. Who knows? Maybe they th- they still yeah. think they can get something out of, of a guy who was a first-rounder. Colin White, 
with each passing day, Greg, Colin White looks to me like Curtis Lazar 2.0. I would agree. Yeah. Um, just, Just on the goaltending front, it made me kind of think, okay, who are they interested in? Who is going to be out there for them? And and a guy like Jack Campbell keeps jumping out for me from the Leafs. Yeah, Braden you know, Holtby. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there there are other goaltenders out there. Yeah, like Vancouver's only really got the two, <laughs> so they and they can only protect one. They don't have anybody else really. If you look at their list, I don't you know Henrik Lundqvist in Montreal. You got you've got Jake Allen. Yeah, true. So there's there's probably enough other goalies out there, uh, depending on what happens in Boston, right? Uh, one of those two could be available, mm-hmm. you know, unless there's a retirement or something. So there's there's probably enough goalies out there, but then again, they're 22 and 24 years old with a whole here a whole long career ahead of them, uh, assuming they're going to take more than one goalie <laughs> when they shift around the league here. Um, maybe one of them is of interest to them, the younger ones. I, I don't know, I, but I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of protecting Matt Murray and, and letting somebody else make that Gustafson decord decision for you. And then you can just throw your arms up in here and say, oh, well, you know, here we are, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And if you're wondering, and because uh, there's a lot of names we haven't mentioned here, there, there are a number of younger players for the most part or players that haven't played much that are fully exempt from this thing. The Sens don't even have to worry about for this exercise. Guy, you know, some of these uh, first rounders, Stutzla, uh, Ridley Gregg, Shane Pinto, Josh Norris, the list goes on. So, a lot of the younger guys that you're wondering about, well, what wouldn't Seattle be interested in that guy? If we haven't mentioned them and they're a really good player, it's because they're exempt from the draft. But uh, yeah. keep uh, keep that roster open if you could. Yep. And we, we all know that Brady Kachuk is 99% going to be the captain of the Ottawa Senators, assuming the deal gets done and everything's fine. I wonder when you look up and down the roster, is there, I mean, I think we all, all agree that certainly uh, Shabbat's going to be an assistant captain and who will be rounding things out from there? Who do you believe is, uh, who, who would you make that second assistant captain with the sense? Well, I, I just thought it was really nice um, that Nick Paul got an A when, when injuries hit and when I think we did step on have an A at the start of the year. So they ended uh, up giving – they, they gave one to Nick Paul when somebody went, either a trade or an injury or – oh, it was Goodbranson, right? When Goodbranson wore an A. That's right. So when he left, they gave one to Nick Paul. And now that Shabbat's out, they've given one to Connor Brown. To me, those are the guys, right? It's it's a, a Brown or a Paul are the exact type of player in a leadership role, uh, hardworking, lead-by-example guys who I assume are also very good in the room. We know of – of Nick Paul's history as being the in shape and the workout king. Wasn't he always the hardest worker like three years in a row? It's Sen yeah. development camp. I mean, that that's the kind of qualities you're looking for. You know, it, 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 probably an Austin Watson type is the same as well, but then he's a fourth liner and is he going to be here and I'll be here. But then having said that, Nick Paul seems to be a fourth liner lately. So who knows? But uh, yeah, that that would be where I would be looking at at Nick Paul and Connor Brown, the existing, the incumbents. They they would be the guys I would think. Yeah, Austin Watson might be another guy that I, if he survives the expansion draft and such, there's another guy that I might consider for it as well. But uh, yeah, it's hard to argue with any of that. And yeah, you know, the Nick Paul thing is interesting too. You mentioned him being kind of relegated to fourth line status, and well, I mean, as 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 impactful as he is every game, and he wins most shifts. And it's important for your 
overall team momentum to be winning shifts on a regular basis. He just doesn't score much. Even <laughs> no. it feels like he's got five goals. He had five goals in 55 games, 20 points. He's just not as much as I love the guy. I'd love to see him on the ice as much as possible. And he won't hurt you in top six minutes. Ideally, uh, whereas Connor Brown, I'm still in the mode of, I think he still has a chance to be a top six guy. With Nick Paul, I'm settling in with, yeah, he's a nice, nice third liner and even a fourth liner at this this point. He just doesn't score enough to even consider top yeah. six minutes. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you're, you're looking for that sort of breakout that Connor Brown has had. And, and we've talked for how long now about when you're a good team, Connor Brown's a third line winger. Well, you know what? I'm with you. He's looking more and more like a top six guy now. He's ahead of Dadnov there as, as being your, your second line uh, right winger. He looks pretty good. He looks real good with Pinto and uh, and Stutzla. Like maybe that's your second line moving forward for a long time. Because yep. your first line set moving forward for a long time already too. Yep. Be interesting to see what Pinto is. Is he going to emerge as a real scorer in the game or is he going to settle in like a Nick Paul? Because I'm absolutely buying in right now to what he delivers defensively. Man, is he solid defensively. And, uh, you know, will the points come? What's your gut instinct in the early viewings? It's such a small sample size. He's just yeah. getting his feet wet as an NHLer. So you don't want to, you know, paint him with any brush at this stage. But, uh, you know, just gut instinct. A second line center in the National Hockey League is a 200 foot guy, two way player. Uh, you know, plays your second power play unit is often on your first PK unit or definitely amongst your PK players. Um, and in an 82 game schedule, gets you 70 to 75 points. Can Shane Pinto do that? I believe he can. Yeah. Right. I, I would see him as get out the pen and ink him in there on the second line next year. I don't think he's going to have to start the year in, in Belleville. I think he'll start the year in Ottawa and he'll play with Stutzla and Connor Brown. All right, Nick Paul in the news actually today as we record this in that they've come up with the league's Masterton Trophy finalists. Not the finalists, but each team puts forward a name, and uh, so we're not down to the final three or anything like that. But Ottawa's rep this year will be Nick Paul. That's the award that goes to the player best exemplifying perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. What do you think about Nick Paul as a choice well, he's he's probably the right guy here in Ottawa. I don't know that he compares with anybody in the around the league as being in a top three or four spot to consider for the, winning the award. But he's probably certainly the right choice for Ottawa. I mean, you want to talk about perseverance? This guy's been he's nothing but perseverance. He's been fighting and fighting and fighting to play on this team and to be a regular full time NHLer for years, and sort of finally did it last year and continued right through into this year. So good on him, good for him, and good for the good for the uh, local media for recognizing him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, just how many times did that guy get sent down by the Ottawa Senators? It was double digits for sure. Cleared waivers a number of times. And uh, certainly a guy could have a crisis of confidence based on that and just fade away and go back and, you know, get a job working with dad at the old salt mine or whatever. <laughs> and instead he just stayed with it. And I love that. I love the tale of a guy who doesn't quit. Didn't lie down, just kept getting back up again and again. So that's a nice choice. And the reality is, though, even though there's, you know, the Sens have actually done really well. I mean, Craig Anderson and Bobby Ryan won it last year. Mm -hmm. They've had some good recent success in the Masterton voting um, as winners there. But uh, with all due respect, Nick Paul's got no chance, none no, whatsoever. It, there's Particularly a lot of because there. 
Yeah, I think the one, though, that you have to look at and circle with black ink, uh, take it to the bank, uh, it's going to be Philadelphia Flyers forward Oscar Lindblom. That's a yeah. guy that rallied from cancer, um, and, uh, and it, 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 he looked just awful at one point in the cancer treatments, and he looks so healthy and good now, and it's so good to see. Lindblom was the Masterton nominee last year for the Flyers, and it ended up going to Bobby Ryan, and, and that Lindblom is there again this year. Um, I don't think there's any chance that he doesn't get it this time around, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing was that he hadn't really come all the way back and played uh, a full season and, and the, the way that he has this year reestablished himself. Um, you know, they, they say persevere, okay, but at the end of persevering, there has to be something, and there is something this year. There's stats and numbers to look at and a regular yeah. season under his belt, and and yeah, I, he's probably the guy. It just it amazes me how many goalies there are, though. Lots of goalies who've who've lounged around and worked hard and waited a long time to get to where they are now. You know, the aforementioned Jack Campbell, Chris Drieger's there, um, Casey DeSmith waiting around in Pittsburgh. Um, there, there Dustin Tokarski. Yeah, there's the other one. Dustin Tokarski's about eight years between starts or wins in the NHL. Eric Comrie in Winnipeg, even even Mark Andre Fleury. Like lots of goaltenders who have persevered for long times to get to where they are now, and, and good on them. Yeah. Wasn't that long ago, though, that Chris Drieger was described by Pierre Dorian to JR and myself, my old co-host on TSN 1200, as the goalie of the future? And uh, I think he was gone like a year later. And uh, obviously he's been really good. Like his stats in Florida have been sick. Um, so he he's still a backup. Don't get me wrong. But that's a guy that uh, has really emerged this year as a nice, nice goaltender. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's uh, yeah. I mean, and and you can't fault the senators for quote unquote giving up on him either. Like, who would have seen this, right? We'll talk a little bit about uh, Thomas Shabbat and uh, his injury. It's unfortunate. Of all the guys to be admiring your pass on, mm-hmm. Logan Stanley bearing down on you, Shabbat admiring a pass behind the behind the Winnipeg net and he got absolutely crushed in a really bad spot, right? So it's a worse spot to, you know, be like three feet from the boards and get absolutely cranked. It always, uh, it very often ends in some kind of an injury like that. And uh, Shabbat uh, out for the year with that shoulder injury. And uh, if there was a silver lining in that, it was that I finally opened things up for Jacob Bernard Docker and Eric Brandstrom that Brandstrom had a tough game against Calgary, but generally speaking, both Jacob Bernard Docker and Eric Brandstrom have made the most of those minutes. I thought in particular Bernard Docker um, really has shown himself to be a guy that looks smooth, looks uh, calm out there, makes good plays, makes good decisions, um, and that's nice to see for a guy with only four games of NHL experience now. Yeah, it's it, 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 watching him play more and more, getting more and more comfortable on the ice. Yeah, um, obviously not playing with uh, with a partner he's going to play long term with. He's there with uh, you sing, I sing, we all sing for ice cream. What's the guy's name? Only I'll sing. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, um, he's playing with him, so it's not exactly where he's going to be long term. Um, but but making a making a statement that hey, maybe I belong on this team come training camps, similar to Pinto. 
next season, maybe I belong here for the start of the year instead of in Belleville. Um, I doubt, I don't think so. He'll probably play in Belleville, I would think. Um, but yeah, he looks good, more confident, uh, gap control, stepping up, being up. He made a couple of nice offensive plays, which are not exactly his forte. Um, so he, he looked good to me and it was nice to see him finally in the lineup. You mentioned Ole Alsing. Wouldn't it have been cool because he made his debut this week as an NHL player and they took on the Montreal Canadiens. And we all remember the the J.G. Pajot song, which is always a takeoff on the Ole 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 song. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's a ready-made name for it right now. Huh? Ole yeah. Ole Ole. Huh? Not bad. Or you could yeah. use, you say I'll sing. I don't care. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, at first, I thought it was the other guy. I thought it was Apricot. But because isn't he a defenseman too? Jonathan Aspro. Yeah. Is he a defenseman Correct. too? Is he still he is, around? He I believe he's still in, the, uh, in Belleville. Okay. I thought it was him at first that they right. called up. I got, I got it all wrong. No, it's, it's the ice cream guy. We got it. <laughs> uh, Jack Capuano is going to be coaching Team USA at the World Hockey Championship. And, uh, you know, given that this guy is an NHL head coach of the past, so is Davis Payne, for that matter, former St. Louis Blues mm-hmm. coach. These are both uh, DJ Smith's assistant coaches. I wonder if there's some, you know, method to that madness are these guys, you know, coaches in waiting if things go wrong with DJ Smith? You've got a guy ready to go, already on the payroll. Um, and I think about that, just given that DJ Smith is now about to enter his final year of his contract. Sens will take on the Leafs on Wednesday, and that'll be it. End of season, and DJ Smith heads into the final year of his contract. And a few people had asked me, and we talked about it a little bit uh, at SensNationHockey.com. All kinds of cool articles there, by the way where you can find the uh, the podcast, a bunch of archived uh, shows there as well. Urge you to check it out. But uh, one of the articles is about, is DJ Smith the man for the job? Moving into these uh, years of unparalleled success. And, uh, well, I'll let you have first shot at that. Is DJ Smith that kind of coach that's going to be able to take this team on into the future and in the years where they're going to be true contenders? You might not like my answer, Steve. I'm easy. <laughs> I have no idea if he's the right man for the job or not. All I know is he's done a good enough job here that he he's earned a second contract, and I assume it will be it will be done this summer. You're not letting the guy go into the season a lame duck coach on his last year, so he will get a renewal this summer. Whether he's the long term guy or not, I honestly don't know. I I don't know if he can play a if he can lead a team of uh, with expectations of being higher in the standings with a team that's more offensively gifted with a different system and different style of play that, that may be required when you've got all these studs in the lineup, like are they still going to play the same way when two years from now, three years from now, when all the big names are out there. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's not enough, uh, there's not enough experience or, or what's the word I'm trying to come up with that they have uh, the, the sample size isn't big enough. Is that, right. that the way they put it, right? Yeah. All he's done is work with young kids, trying to develop a team, trying to teach a system. So I have no problem with him in that regard. I have no problem with him in, in identifying uh, the right way that his team needs to play and in getting them to play that way. I just don't know if he's the right man for the job moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a loft problem when you look <laughs> yeah. at the sample size, lack of F and talent. Yeah. And really... We, we know that the team is capable of winning under him. And there's certainly been a learning curve, I'm sure of it. I mean, he's a rookie. Last year, he's a rookie just like any other rookie player. Same yeah. thing. They're going to make some mistakes. But I feel like his learning curve has probably been better than most just because of the 
aforementioned Jack Capuano and, and Davis Payne who had done it before. Those guys are important. And now I agree. I mean, I, I feel like we're both sitting on the fence a little bit and probably people are throwing things at their, ah. whatever their device they're listening on right now. But let's be fair. You can, that's, you've got no, uh, you've got no track record of, I've got a really good talented team in front of me and here's what my results were. We can only say, I think from the trade deadline on, that's where the measurement of DJ Smith now begins. And sure. so far, so freaking good, by the way, because they've been absolutely lights out good since the trade deadline. And let's see what they are next year. You still have one year left on that contract. Uh, that's, I think, a show-me year of his contract. And I think uh, the Sens will react accordingly. If the team takes another step forward next year, makes the playoffs maybe, I think that's certainly a possibility. DJ Smith has another contract. If they take a step backward, then you start wondering, okay, what happened here? And why did DJ Smith allow it to happen? So I agree with you completely. In fairness, you give the guy next year, and then we can all make our opinions then. Yeah, but I think you've got to give him a contract now. Like, you don't let him go into the year in the last year of his contract. Just It's just not the way it's done. Well, we saw Art Howe in Moneyball, for example, and how – how ornery yeah. and uh, and snooty he was that he didn't have a contract in his final year. <laughs> but then you got you got you have two who expired this season. They were basically lame ducks throughout the season in in Tockett and Tortorella with no contract for next season. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those teams let them get into the year. I just it's not normally done that way. Like you, same thing with a with a player. You always want to negotiate ahead of time. And with a coach, you you don't you don't want your leader in the room. Um, it, he players second guessing him and is he even going to be here next year and who cares about this guy and you're you're asking for trouble if you don't re-sign him this summer yeah I think that's a good point because uh, people always think about okay he doesn't have a contract for next year is he going to struggle with his decision making as a result of that but that's a great point about players reaction toward a guy that they think might be on his way out oh you're lame duck you're dead man walking I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily going to buy into what you're selling uh, if a team is kind of on that brink of, okay, our season's going sideways, we could go one or two ways, we could rally here, or we could really go in the toilet. And that's where you want uh, some real stability in your leadership group for sure. So that's a great point about the player's reaction to a, a guy in his, his final year. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you've said it all. You wrapped it up perfectly. They, they uh, and, and the only logical uh, conclusion is, that he will be re-signed this summer. He'll, it'll be quiet. It'll just happen sometime in the middle of the offseason. Oh, you know, we up we re-upped DJ probably two years with a team option for a third. Right. Yeah, that, that seemed – I was going to ask you what the term might be, but that seems like a reasonable way to go. And then you're in a situation where if it does go sideways next year, well, you can uh, – you're not on the hook for a tremendous amount of money. Beyond that, we all know that the club is somewhat uh, sensitive to that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it um, won't be for a lot of money anyway, right? <laughs> we know yeah, that up front. 100%. Yeah, if he's making 1.5, I would be surprised. Uh, let's close it out today. Okay. With a fun thing, I, I came across it on Twitter. I apologize. I can't attribute. I think it was one of the other podcasts, actually. The question was, and I thought it was interesting, what is your most unpopular Ottawa Senator take? Your most controversial Ottawa Senator's opinion. Maybe you've been riding it for a while. or Maybe you've said it here on the podcast, Greg, where uh, where you get some feedback on it. But <laughs> have I? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But uh, do you have an unpopular sense take? 
I have one I don't like. I hate listening to people who have the take on Logan Brown that's different from mine. But <laughs> do I do I have one that's unpopular or controversial? I don't think so. Do you? I don't. I don't know that we have we been controversial here on this show. And eh, no, no, I don't think <sighs> particularly. And uh, but if I have yeah. a couple, um, yeah, I, I would say that I don't think Colin White is even a guy I want on my team now. Okay, but that's not controversial. Not, uh, not particularly. I, so. I think I think a lot of people think, no, 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 he's going to be a good third, fourth liner. I don't think that. I don't think that at all. And I, I don't. don't th- you don't need to pay him that much. Oh, God, no. No, that, that's, that's not even talking about money. Yeah. Um, that, that, like, what he's been paid is very much like, okay, let's give uh, Curtis Lazar $4.7 a year. <laughs> it makes about that much sense to me. I literally <laughs> think Colin White is Curtis Lazar. First rounder, highly touted, world juniors, loved in the room. But looking at results, looking at impact on games, like Nick Paul, for example, like statistically, I'm not wowed by him. Winning shifts because of the things Nick Paul does, that does impress me. I don't know what Colin White does for you. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. Maybe that's not maybe that's not particularly unpopular or controversial. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. How much? Okay. Uh, Colin White is at uh, 4.75, right? That's right. How much do you think the Rangers pay Mika Zibanejad? Um, is it f- uh, five, six? Yeah. Five 5.3. For less than a million dollars more. <laughs> yeah. You got Mika Zibanejad. You know, like I, I just went looking through it the other day third line centers and what they make because basically at, at 4.75, he's not that far off the average third line center, believe it or not. Lots of guys, third line roles make some 3.5 to 4.5. Right. You know, like even Chris Tierney's at three and a half. So it's not well, as terrible as you think, but because we're in the market and we watch him and we see it, and because it was a bit of a shock at the time, and because the projection was he was a one or two center, then it's like, whoa, wait a minute, this is crazy. Yeah, well, maybe Colin White is more than he appears still because I think Zibanejad was around Colin White's age when they finally said, okay, uh, we're yeah, going to move on and uh, make a deal. And uh, while there's still some stock left for this guy, when that happened, I was feeling a little bit the same way about Zibanejad. I was like, okay, yeah, I I, I was pretty confident that, uh, that there wasn't a superstar there, like a real elite scorer. And uh, he totally proved me wrong. Went somewhere else, was a late bloomer, and the Rangers have benefited from that. And so maybe there's some late blooming ahead for Colin White as well. But the way I felt about Zabanajad, I feel way worse about Colin White. I do not see a Zabanajad-like turnaround. But no. it would be nice if he elevates his game where he can be a bottom six forward that I'm happy with. Because right now, um, with all due respect, this is part of our gig. This is what we do here on the podcast is give our honest opinion about players and I guess the the day you start accepting four point seven million dollars, you open yourself to criticism and uh, evaluation. And my evaluation of Colin White is, I don't want him on my hockey team anymore. Yeah, and and I would agree with you. And I don't consider that to be controversial. Damn it! Maybe it's because I agree. If if I disagreed with something, it might be controversial. But I I really don't know. Maybe maybe our listeners can tweet at us or email us or text us or something if we've ever said anything that was that controversial. I, 
is that a bad thing that we're not controversial now? I'm starting to feel bad that we're not controversial, Steve. What's going on? Yeah, there's, a, there's been a couple, I'm sure, in there that people oh, have sure, yelled yeah. at, at their devices about. <laughs> but the other one that I'll throw out there, just yeah. see if this one, see if this one rankles you a bit, <laughs> if that's a word. <clears throat> Go. Derek Stepan, I'd consider bringing him back at the right price, of course. I like Derek Stepan. I think, as with the team, you know, he never got a chance to get out of those January, February doldrums. Like the whole team was garbage. I feel like Derek Stepan would have been a better hockey player for you in the second half, the way the rest of the team was. Um, and so, if Derek Stepan mm. is into it and the price is right, Personally speaking, I would consider it as opposed to most fans, I think, who never want to see Derek Stepan wear a senator uniform ever again. Hmm. Huh? That one qualifies, right? That would Unpopular. be popular. Uh, yeah, that that's that that yeah. That might okay. even be that might even be bordering on controversial, Steve. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> I so, sorry, can't agree. There's okay. there's there's gotta be better options. Um, I don't know what could you somebody will, if he still wants to play if he's able to play it won't be for anything more than a million and a half like he's going to sign one of those deals like we saw all kinds of them throughout the league just mm-hmm. before the season started. Um, ah, he's just too damn slow, buddy. Sorry, can't can't see it. Yeah, I I feel like lots of guys looked slow though, and I feel like anyway I, I've made my uh, I've made my okay. point on Derek Stepan, but. Uh, yeah, I just feel like I can't judge him fully. Maybe I'm wrong about it. And if the price is right, I'm going to take a look. But uh, well, maybe here, I'm is wrong. This, is this controversial? I think uh, I think Ryan Dezingle should be re-signed. And I think he should play more. I think he should find a way to get him more minutes. He, he does some good things out there. And he won't hurt you or anything. But I just feel like uh, he always leaves me wanting. Uh, well, but he did produce when he was here. When he was here, he was getting some some good looks, some good line mates. And now I feel like he's going to be for sure in the bottom six. If you bring him back. Um, yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not going to hurt you. No, I'm, I, I don't put that as controversial or unpopular. I'm just, I'm kind of, if the price is right, sure. Bring him in. But if he's looking to be around three, three where he is now, Oh God, no, 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 no. But he did have, he did score 20 goals here in a full season. And, and the season they traded him, he was over 20 goals when they traded him. Right, mm-hmm. like he, he, the guy can play. Um, I just, I think there's I, every night I watch, and I think there's got to be a way to get him in there more often, or get him a few more minutes a night, or yeah. something. I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe, maybe they. But I do believe they will resign him. I, I think that's a given. It's going to happen. The fact yeah, that I he think, is, I think, I bet he wants to too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he. Why wouldn't he? He definitely want to stay right where he is. All right. So, you know what we need to do? We need to do our projections for our lineup for next year at some point. We need to sit down and figure out who's in and who's out and what the lineup's going to look like, don't you think? All right. Yep. We'll tackle that in our next show. And as we head out the door, though, a reminder that if you're enjoying the show, it'd be fantastic if you support the show with a Patreon membership. Thanks to Adam Newton and Scott Coston. Fellas, we really appreciate you uh, being good members of the podcast. And with that, we shall call it a day. Um, get you another glass of uh, of the Dunrobin Distilleries. Well, I'm off to it right now, man. My Dunrobin Distilleries right here, ready to go. Enjoy the week, and we shall. Uh, and good luck in the playoffs. And when's the game one? Oh yeah, thank you, Steve. Well, game one is Friday. Friday the whatever that would, that would be. be. 
the 14th. You tell me. Okay, there you go. Friday the 14th, Excellent. game one. I could be done by the next time we talk, Steve. If we lose two straight, we could be done. Well, hope we'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed for you. It's Oof. been a short season. Short yeah, playoff yeah, would thanks. be uh, <laughs> no big surprise to anybody. Either. Uh, okay, well, enjoy. Uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you again in our next episode. <laughs> Bye now.